good morning everyone. Um, it's so good to see your smiling faces this morning and I'm really excited to bring a word to you. Um, I want to start with giving a bit of a shout out to the ladies lunch yesterday. So if you were there, it was such um, an amazing time. We had so much fun. Um, props to Emily and Grace who played a game with us and realised very quickly that they were hurting a bunch of cats because if you didn't realise, the women in our church are very competitive. Um, and just along those lines, my table did win. Um, I think by about five points, but you know, humble brag. Um, so we had such a great time. I was really privileged to be able to share a little bit at the end of the lunch. And afterwards, um, just had quite a few people coming up and encouraging me and just saying that was so great, really enjoyed what you had to share. And it got me thinking that um, after you preach, and I'm not saying I've preached a lot, but I know for myself when other people preach, often you want to go and encourage the person who's preached. You know, great job, you did so well, that, you know, great message. I remember someone saying how much more valuable it was when someone would come to them at the end of a message and say, when you shared this, that really spoke to me. So... Um, when I was 12, I was in um, my high school production and I played the role of Annie. Um, played it in front of probably over a 1,000 people and didn't really feel nervous. The reason I tell you that is not to be like, oh, I'm so good. I just don't get nervous really with speaking. But afterwards, what I would love to hear if, I'm not asking you to come to me, but if you do, I would love to hear what God has said to you. Because I'm not so nervous this morning about me just sharing a couple of good ideas or good thoughts that I've had. But what I am conscious of is that I want God to speak to you this morning. And I feel like there's a couple of things at play for that to happen. One is for God to use me, and I know he wants to. I know he's got something to say. Number two is for me to kind of get out of the way a bit, or not so much, but to let God use me. And number three is for you to open your heart and your ears for God to speak to you. So I kind of have this sense, and I've wrestled a bit with this message, because I feel like there's just some, you know, nice sort of practical things to say, or good things, or that's a bit clever. But really, I've got a sense that there's going to be some things that I say that I'm going to have put here that I don't even think are that big a deal, or that important, but that God is going to speak to some of you, to all of you. I would love if every single one of you comes right now and says, okay, for the next 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is, I'm going to open my heart and what's God going to say to me? Okay, it could just be one line, could be one word that I say. That's my prayer, okay? Cool. All right, I've titled um, my message this morning, The Purifying Struggle of Effort. Now, it sounds very clever, and I'm going to let you in on a secret. It was actually in Joe's notes, and I thought it sounded really cool. <laughs> so if you know what it means, let me know afterwards. No. Look, <laughs> I want to talk today about effort and about doing our best with what God's given us. Okay? So I'm going to read, so kind of continuing on this theme, I'm going to read a couple of verses. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Another version says, put your heart and soul into every activity. 2 Peter 1, verses 5 to 11. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, 
to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Galatians 6 verse 9, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Titus 2 verses 7 to 8, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. And 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So I'm kind of here today to motivate and inspire you to pursue God with everything and to give God your best. But I want to go back a couple of weeks. Now, I feel like there's um, two groups in the room. There's the group who either don't have children yet or it was a while ago and you've kind of forgotten. And if you're in that group, you've probably gone, oh, they're so cute. And they are, can't they? That's my boys and my hubby Matt. Um, If you're in the other group, you'll be going, oh gosh, she's tired. (laughs) Yep, that's right. They are seven, five and four. They are pretty close together. I know. What did we do? Crazy. So I'm tired. So two weeks ago, I sat with this message in bed and um, I think Matt was out that night and I just was like, oh, how do I preach on giving your best? How do I preach on putting effort in? I am so tired. I was so tired and felt so worn out that I'm just like crying like, God, I just feel like I've got nothing left to give. How, how do I come at this? How do I inspire people when I just feel like I've got nothing? What about you? When I say, give your best, is your initial reaction to feel like, oh, I'm tired. Do you immediately think of your job, your career, your family, your study, all the things? Because I know that's where I was sitting. God, I can't possibly fit more in. I can't do more. How do I give my best? I've got nothing left. I want us to think about this question, what does God want me to do? I feel like this is a very um, apt description of my life. I feel like my life has really been dominated by, and I say dominated, I feel like it's been such a big thing to say, what is the grand will of God for Melanie's life? I'm here to tell you now, I'm just turned 40 and I still don't know what the answer is. I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. But I just, you know, I I almost have had this sense of if I can just figure out what God wants me to do, what does God want me to do? What job does he want me to have? Where does he want me to live? Um, Who does he want me to marry? Obviously, I figured that one out. But, you know, all of these things, what does God want? And maybe if I figure it out, then it'll be easier to give my best. Because then I'll be doing the thing that I was created to do. Then I'll just feel passionate and excited all the time. And I'll just want to give my best. Do we think God wants us to try harder? 
you know what, your initial reaction is like, no, no, the scripture says that, you know, we live by faith, so no, we don't have to try harder. I don't know if that's the answer. I think maybe he does want us to try harder, but I think the question is, to try harder doing what? Have you ever had one of those days? One of those days where you wake up and you're a bit tired, you press the snooze button a few times and then you finally get out of bed and then you think, oh, you know what, I'm going to be good, I'm going to eat fruit and yogurt for breakfast instead of that sugary cereal. You make a good decision there and then maybe you don't make a great decision because you yell at one of your kids and then, you know, but you make a good decision to get to work on time and then, you know, you have a good day and, you know, you go through this day and... um, we all do these days. And we do these days and they're kind of based on, for the most part, our own wisdom, what we've gained, you know, what we've learnt throughout our life. So we've learnt that it's good to eat healthy, to nourish your body. We've learnt that um, it's good to, you know, be diligent and get to work and do what we have to do. We've learnt that it's good to be patient with our kids. That doesn't mean it always eventuates. But um, we've learnt this wisdom right, and we go throughout our day. And, you know, it might be a good day, might be a not good day, might be a really bad day, not sure. Then have you had one of those other days where you wake up and you feel like you've just had such a great sleep, um, the kids aren't awake yet, um, I haven't had one of those days, um, but you know, you wake up, you, you have a good day, you make the decision, to, you spend some time with God, you read the word, you spend some time in prayer and you start your day off well and throughout the day you're just really aware of the presence of God and um, you find, you know, you're confronted with it, say a decision at work and you, um, you know, you really like come straight to God and say, I don't know what to do here and God gives you like just something that's an answer and it works really well and um, or it might be that you're with the kids that day and you just feel like you've got all this, all the patience in the world that you don't usually have or um, you're, you're studying and you feel like you've just been really productive that day or you've had a great conversation with a friend where you've just been able to share um, about God's love or something. You know, those days when we're relying on the wisdom of God, they're better, Right? They are so much better. And I love this scripture in 1 Corinthians. The foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. So basically, when God's having a I'm so tired I can't think straight day, which we know he doesn't have, but let's just, you know, for the purpose of the story, when he's having a day where he just can't think straight or he just keeps making dumb decisions or whatever, that day is still way, 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 way more wise than anything we could come up with, right? So basically God's wisdom goes so far beyond our wisdom. And we know that if we rely on him for our daily decision-making and our, just our decision-making in life, that things will be better. Absolutely, right? Now, I'm not going to turn around and flip that on its head. It's totally true. If we are guided by the wisdom of God, then our days will go smoother, But I still feel like that doesn't solve the problem of us not growing weary. Another favourite book in the Bible is um, good old Ecclesiastes. And I want to read a little bit of uh, of it to you from the Passion Translation. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? 
Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? Mm, It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. (laughs) I don't know, I feel a bit depressed reading that. You know, it was like this revelation that everything we, everything I'm doing, like it's just meaningless. It just, you know, just comes to the end and it's got no point. What's the point of everything I've worked towards? I want to paint you a picture, okay? And we'll kind of come back to that. Um, just imagine you're working for someone. You've got a boss. Most of us have a boss. At some point, we get to an age where we get a boss and then you've pretty much got a boss for most of your life. Um, unless you're fortunate enough to end up working for yourself. But we've all experienced having a boss. Now, imagine that um, your boss has a certain vision for their company. They want to make money. And you're just like, I'm just not on board with this vision. You don't really believe in what they're trying to do. Or maybe you actually don't know what they're trying to achieve. So you're just going to work, doing your thing, but you don't really understand what your boss's vision is. Do you think in that instance that you would start to get frustrated? That you'd start to get disillusioned? That you'd start to get bored? That you'd kind of get worn out? Because you don't really, you're just going to work, you're just doing your thing. I don't see much joy in that. Then again, what if you've, and some of you, you know, hopefully we've all at times experienced working for a boss where they're really clear with what they want to achieve. So first of all, you understand it. You're like, okay, Right, this is the goal. Then you're like, actually, I can get on board with this. I really believe in what they're saying. Do you think you find that job much more inspiring, much more enjoyable? Maybe you have your hard days and your tired days, but, and, and you know, sometimes you might even lose sight of that vision and you get tired, but then you might talk to them and have a conversation and be reminded of what we're working towards. And if they're a great boss, they get you in staff meeting and they kind of pump you up and get you excited again and you feel reinvigorated. I want to question you, have you lost sight of what your boss's vision is? Have you lost sight of what God's vision is, of what his heart is and of what he's wanting to achieve? Because I can tell you, I do all the time. I, all the time I get buried in what I'm doing and I can lose sight of what God's vision is. What is he aiming for? What is his passion? And that's what I want to remind you of this morning. What is his passion? His passion is people. His passion is people. I'm going to be a bit provocative now. I'm going to say some things that hopefully you'll hear my heart. But I don't think God cares as much about what you do for a living as you think. 
I don't think he cares as much, forgive me, Ashley, about what church you attend as you do. I think he wants you to be a part of his church, but I don't think he cares as much as we think. I don't think he's bothered so much by how many kids you choose to have. I don't think he's particularly worried about what house you live in or what state you live in or what country you live in. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Asking God for wisdom is great and I totally believe that he has a path that he wants you to walk on. But he is so, you know, and he is so much wiser than us and it's great to seek his guidance. But I think that all of that falls to the wayside when we consider when Jesus summed up all of the commandments in these. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your body. And love your neighbour as yourself. So that, one of the scriptures talks about whatever your hand finds to do. And I want to encourage you this morning Sometimes we have to let go of the need to know what it is. And I feel like for me, when I stopped feeling like I was going through life trying to figure out what it is God wanted me to do, and then because I couldn't figure it out, I was just always frustrated all the time. And I, I doubted decisions that I would make and I wasn't sure if I'd, you know, and I would look back and have regrets about decisions I'd make. But the more that I had this revelation that God... He didn't, he wasn't so worried about that. He just wants me to love people. No matter what I'm doing, no matter what job I'm in, he wants me to love people. Okay? And so that means you could work for a boss where you don't really get it because your big boss's heart in that job is to love people. Okay? So do your job well, but love people and have that as your focus. I love this scripture in Micah 6, verse 8. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It doesn't say, it doesn't give any specifics. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you're stuck at home with little kids, I shouldn't say stuck because some of you love that. I felt stuck. (laughs) If you're home with little kids, if you're in a high-powered job running a company, if you are studying, studying, if you are travelling the world, whatever you are doing, act justly, love mercy and walk humbly with God. See, the faith versus works debate is a real tricky one, I think, that people have wrestled with so much. On one hand, Jesus is saying, my grace is sufficient, my power is made perfect in your weakness, and we can just come as we are and rest in his grace. But then James comes along and says, faith without works is dead. Oh, hang on. How do we put that together? How do we get the balance? And I think one way we do that is by remembering that it's not our work to do. It's actually us becoming part of God's work. And the Bible says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So do we have to have faith and rest in his promises? Yes. Do we have to work? Yes, we participate in his work. Um, I had a scripture up before, unless the Lord builds the house, they labour in vain who build it. 
going back to that idea of vanity, everything is meaningless. Everything is meaningless if God is not at the helm of building his house. If we are just off pursuing our own vain pursuits, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but, you know, at the heart of it, it it doesn't mean anything if it's not a part of God's work in building his house. I hope that's okay to say. I hope you hear my heart in that. (laughs) So when I say work hard, what I want you to work hard at is pursuing him. Okay? I'm going to read some Psalms because if all else fails, you read the Bible and then you know that you're all right. Okay? Psalm 15, Lord who dares to dwell with you, who presumes the privilege of being close to you, living next to you in your shining place of glory. Who are those who daily dwell in the life of the Holy Spirit? They are passionate and wholehearted, always sincere and always speaking the truth. For their hearts are trustworthy, they refuse to slander or insult others, they'll never listen to gossip or rumours, nor would they ever harm another with their words." They will speak out passionately against evil and evil workers while commending the faithful ones who follow after the truth. They make firm commitments and follow through even at great cost. They never crush others with exploitation or abuse and they would never be bought with a bribe against the innocent. They will never be shaken. They will stand firm forever. Psalm 16. Keep me safe, O mighty God. I run for dear life to you, my safe place. So I said to the Lord God, you are my maker, my mediator and my master. Any good thing you find in me has come from you. And he said to me, my holy lovers are wonderful, my majestic ones, my glorious ones, fulfilling all my desires. Yet there are those who yield to their weakness and they will have trouble and sorrow unending. I never gather with such ones nor honour them in any way. Lord, I have chosen you alone as my inheritance. You are my prize, my pleasure, and my portion. I leave my destiny and its timing in your hands. Your pleasant path leads me to pleasant places. I'm overwhelmed by the privileges that come with following you, for you have given me the best. The way you counsel and correct me makes me praise you more, for your whispers in the night give me wisdom, showing me what to do next. Because you are close to me and always available, my confidence will never be shaken. For I experience your wraparound presence every moment. My heart and soul explode with joy, full of glory. Even my body will rest confident and secure, for you will not abandon me to the realm of death, nor will you allow your Holy One to experience corruption. For you bring me, into, bring me a continual revelation of resurrection life, the path to the bliss that brings me face to face with you. Just some things in there that stood out. Any good thing you find in me has come from you. You empower me for victory with your wraparound presence. He does the work. He does the work. We just have to know him. We just have to be in his presence. We just have to seek him. Work hard at knowing him. Get in his presence. He will do the work. And that's where our faith comes in. That's where we rest. We work at knowing him and then he will do the rest through us. You know, it is really easy to get caught up working in the wisdom of this world. It is so easy. I think, 
I don't think there's a person in this room who could genuinely say, oh, no, I've never got caught up in the wisdom of this world. No, I am immune. <laughs> um, I don't, if you're immune, I'd like to find out how. Um, because I tell you what, it is so easy to get caught up in that. It's so easy to get caught up in mortgages at the moment. It's so easy to get caught up in, do I need to work more? Um, gosh, the cost of living, the cost of living, the cost of living, the cost of living. I have three, bo- well, I have four boys, actually. Oh, my gosh. They, eat, like, every five or ten minutes, one of them is asking me for food. Like, children, do you know the cost of living has gone up? <laughs> we can't afford this. Um, I've decided actually that fruit and vegetables are so expensive that it's actually acceptable now to just feed your kids chips. Um, <laughs> that's so much cheaper. And a uh, little potato, it's potato, right? Um, secret hack, um, microwave popcorn's 90 cents from Aldi for a packet. <laughs> yes, it's been a daily staple in our house to feed these children. It's really easy <laughs> to get caught up working in our own pursuits and not with God building his house But then no wonder we get frustrated because we're working in vain. We're never going to have enough money. I mean, maybe in the world standards we'll have enough or we won't. But, you know, they say, like, the more money you've got, like, the more you end up spending and it's, like, constantly chasing. And then you've got um, multi-millionaires or billionaires who end up in debt because it's just, it's never enough. It's just in vain. We're just working, working, working. You know, to know him is to be changed by him. And to know his love will only lead to loving his creation. I want to read again to Peter. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, goodness knowledge, knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, perseverance godliness, godliness mutual affection, and mutual affection love. So... We start with faith in God and it leads to love. So I want to encourage you, have you grown weary in doing good? Have you grown weary? Have you grown tired? Do you hear work harder, work for the Lord, work for your best and it just makes you feel tired or you feel dry inside? God has so much more for you. God, I believe, wants to refresh you this morning and renew you. God wants you to lift your eyes to see his vision again, to be able to find joy in what you're doing. I love, you know, that Psalm 15 that I just read because, you know, if you read about these people, I feel like that's everything I want to be. Passionate, wholehearted, always sincere, always speaking the truth because my heart is trustworthy. I refuse to slander or insult others. I don't listen to gossip or rumours. I'd never harm another person with my words. I speak out passionately against evil and evil workers. That real, I'm acting justly. Um, I make firm commitments and I follow through even at great cost. I don't crush others with exploitation or abuse and I'd never be brought with a bribe against the innocent. I will never be shaken. I will stand firm forever. What is the key? Who are those who daily dwell in the life of the Holy Spirit? Who are those who daily dwell in the life of the Holy Spirit? I do want to challenge you. I am so challenged by this myself because I know when I do take the time to dwell in the Holy Spirit, 
that there is a joy that fills my heart. And, you know, a couple of nights ago as I was still just, you know, going over this message and, and what I felt God wanted to share and what God wanted to do, one, I just suddenly, I felt overwhelmed with this joy, like just this joy. Now, I can't describe it. And I don't know if you've ever felt that. But honestly, I know in some ways it feels like this message has been about meaningless and everything's meaningless and we're all tired. But what I actually want God to do today in you is to give you joy. Because when you have joy, how how much easier is everything? It is so much easier to go through life when you have joy. And I know you know I'm not talking about just being happy all the time. I'm not talking about everything being great all the time. I still have three young boys. They are still really hard work. Matt and I are still very tired. But if I can rest in the Holy Spirit and experience his joy, that will carry me through and that will carry you through. I'm going to get the band to come up now um, and we're going to sing. But actually, that's what I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit supernaturally, because you don't know in your humanness how to get rid of a burden. We don't, like we can, yes, we make a choice to lay it down, but God does the work. It's the Holy Spirit who's going to do the work. It's the Holy Spirit who can take that off you. His um, yoke is easy. His burdens are light. And I really pray for each one of you that as you just, you know, um, guys, you just want to start playing even as I'm talking. Um, as the music's playing and as we're singing, that you would just even just close your eyes and just ask the Holy Spirit to give you his joy. Because it's, I don't know, I can't explain it. It just, something lifts. Something lifts. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to sit in that place forever. It was late and I needed to go to bed. But I was like, oh my gosh, joy of the Lord. He is so good. He is so loving. He is so kind. He is so generous. He is just. He is merciful. He is mighty and strong. He has the power to break through darkness. He has the power to set people free. When we can't love, He will love. When we struggle to forgive, He forgives through us.